Welcome to the True Condos Podcast with Andrew LaFleur, the place to get the truth on the Toronto condo market and condo investing in Toronto. Okay, it's my pleasure to welcome to the show Jake Abramowitz. Jake is a mortgage agent with Mortgage Edge. Jake, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. I do appreciate it. And good to have you here, Jake. Um, and again, uh, we were just chatting. Uh, we were having a conversation on Facebook about some mortgage stuff uh, in one of the uh, real estate groups, the industry, one of the industry groups that's out there. And that's exactly what this podcast is about, just to get some of these conversations that we have in the industry on the inside, so to speak, out into the, um, into the real world, into the public, so that you know people, regular people on the street, especially real estate investors, condo investors in, in the case of this podcast um, can hear what's uh, going on and get really uh, insider information as to what's happening. Um, and also just to get, of course, expert um, opinions and analysis and insight. And that's, uh, that's why we're um, excited to have you on the show today. Um, so Jake, why don't we just start uh, all these mortgage rule changes that have been happening lately, just in general, uh, to get things going. Like it's been a few weeks now. What's your take on the new mortgage rules? And, and now that you've had some time to sit with them, and where do you, how do you see things in, in the mortgage financing market today? For sure. So these rule changes that have happened are not the last of the changes. There will be some more stuff happening in the first quarter, more on the back end on how mortgage lenders risk insure their portfolios. But from a customer or client-facing, buyer-investor-facing model or, or perspective, I will say that the rule changes have had a quite significant impact on first-time buyers with less than 20% down primarily, and not so much on investors yet, but certainly uh, BMO, for example, has increased its down payment requirement to 30% for investors. Most of the mortgage banks, uh, TD Bank, Scotiabank, both announced a differential pricing model for investors, so if it's a rental, you're paying around 20 to 30 basis points more on your five-year fixed mortgage rate. So definitely there is some pressure on from the mortgage market. Now, keeping all of this in mind, we are still under 3%. And I don't know if you recall, a few years ago, our former finance minister was warning not to exceed going under 3% in mortgage rates. So uh, he unfortunately passed away, and the new guy, the new government, never, never really controlled that market. So we are still at very, very low borrowing rates. A lot of your money is still going to principal, almost 50%. But we do have to be recognizing that the market is changing and mortgage banks are making it much more difficult for investors, for buyers in order to get in there. Who would you say, I mean, so far, who are the sort of the biggest winners and biggest losers under these new rules? Biggest winners are investors. Uh, I mean, absolutely. You know, had I known six months ago what I know today, I would have been buying condos and I still would consider buying condos. One bedroom, two bedroom, small, big units. Here's why. If I'm a buyer looking at a 750K house and I can only afford a 610K house, because typically that's how much less of a property I can afford, I'm not in the housing market anymore unless I stretch my boundary quite substantially. So what do I do? Well, what if I don't want to buy a condo? Well, I want to rent one. I still want to have that lifestyle. So the biggest winners for sure are the investors. And be it condo investors or multiplexes or even single-family dwellings with basement apartments, whether you live there and, and, and rent out the basement, whether you rent out both units or the whole house or however, the investors are definitely going to win here. Where they're going to lose is how difficult it will be to pull any equity out to keep investing. So a lot of our buyers, yours and mine, Andrew, I'm sure, um, have been using their equity, refinancing, pulling money out, 
buying the next place, buying the next place as the price gains have been realized. Well, with that market tightening, with the refinance market tightening after on November 30th, that will be increasingly more difficult. And not to mention, lenders are not only stress testing applicants on the rate side, they're stress testing them in a general lifestyle lending uh, stress test. They're looking at affordability. Do they have kids? Are they having kids? Is the wife on that leave? Is the husband on paternity leave? Will there be a change in their income? What is the rental income like? Are they reporting it on T1? I have never seen the level of detail that my underwriters are asking for in my entire 14-year history. And I've seen 2008 happen, which I'm not, I'm no veteran, but certainly long enough to see some changes, but I've never seen this kind of digging deep uh, for investors specifically. Wow, that's really interesting. So that's, again, a valuable insight for people to understand that on the underwriting side, maybe just explain it for the uninitiated when you say the underwriting side, maybe just give a quick overview. When someone applies for a mortgage, what's the process it has to go through to get approved and what are the changes that have happened uh, in that process? Absolutely. It's, it's a great question. So to, to be very general, uh, you, you apply for a loan, whether you're an investor or an end user. You apply for loans, you file your credit application, credit is checked, Employment is usually verified by way of a letter and a pay stub. If you're an investor, you may have had to have only provided a lease or two. Well, now what we're seeing is the underwriters are asking for a letter, a pay stub, to your tax returns. They're asking to see if you as an investor are showing your rental income on your T1 generals. And if you are, are you making a loss or a profit? Keep in mind, each individual bank and lender have their own ways of mitigating rental properties. We used to only be allowed to use 50% of rental income many years ago. Then it went up to 100%. Now it's back to 50. And since that rule changed a couple of years ago, the lender said, well, hold on. 50% of rental income means nobody will qualify. And that's not a real world number. What they're using now are different formulas and ratios when qualifying investors who own multiple properties. But to answer your question more specifically, what are underwriters looking for? They're no longer looking at just a letter and pay stub. They want more history. If you haven't been there more than a year, they want more history there. Uh, where did you work before? Show me your taxes. Why do you have so much debt? Where is your debt going? Show me your rental income going into your account to back up a lease agreement, to back up the T1. So it's simply a matter of they're asking for two, three, or four more pieces of documentation. So I tell all of our clients, please keep this stuff handy and organized. Keep it on Dropbox and Google Drive, wherever you keep it. You're going to need it when you keep applying. And they're going to ask you. And the reason that they will ask you is they are the ones lending at hundreds of thousands of dollars. And if they're under pressure from the government to be more strict, we have to abide by that. I fight my lenders all the time with pushback, with how much a client needs to provide. But I'm lately noticing I'm losing those battles and I'm picking my battles as to what is truly normal to ask for and what is over and above the requirements, right? But in general, it's just getting tighter in terms of the number of questions and how deep they are. So we just got to keep our clients organized with paperwork, with taxes up to date, leases up to date, and you'll be fine when you're applying. That's great. Any other tips for uh, investors who are maybe, especially condo investors who maybe bought a condo one year, two year, three years ago, it's coming up for closing soon. Um, and maybe they were thinking uh, under the old rules, it might be easy. Are there, is there any tips for the investor who's going out and applying for a mortgage in today's environment or, say, in the next few months? Although, of course, you know, things could change again. Things are changing quickly. But uh, let's say... Well, let's assume that nothing yeah. changes moving forward. 
I would say that have 20% ready, whether you've already put that as a deposit or not. You will almost for sure want to go to a big bank or a credit union. They are the ones that do not add a rental premium to their mortgages for investors. So if I have 20% down and I go to TD Bank, I don't pay a mortgage insurance premium. If I go to Merrick's Financial, I will pay a premium because Merrick's has to back and insure that loan with CMHC. Now, as of November 30th, that whole product may even not be available. So be prepared to only deal with your big bank. Be prepared for a much longer timeline in getting approvals done. And maybe even be prepared to tap into some of your existing home equity to increase the down payment if required. Um, but other than that, also get your rates held. If you think you're registering within the next three to six months, there are most lenders that will do four-month rate holds, if not six-month and even one-year rate holds. Consider getting a rate held if you think within the next six months you're being registered. Now is the time to do that before rates go up, as they have this week, as they will again in January due to more pressure, as they may again, as, uh, as Donald Trump has said, he doesn't want to keep rates artificially low. If they move, we may move. So keep those things in mind. But um, as I said earlier, be organized, get a rate held ASAP, and be prepared for any extra documentation, any extra down payment uh, that you may be facing. This is great, Jake. Lots of great uh, insights and tips and, and um, dropping some great uh, wisdom bombs here on us um, for investors. One thing, if I could, Andrew. Yeah. Uh, we spoke about refinancing, and I think that's what triggered this whole conversation. So not to scare people, but I do want to say the government has made a pretty strict change in its refinance policy. And ultimately what they are saying is the government or CMHC is not in the business of allowing Canadians to tap into their equity. CMHC was created in the 40s to help World War veterans come back and afford a home. Well, obviously, that whole policy has changed, and that's not what it's there for now. It's to help Canadians still have home affordability. What CMHC has seen is a massive spike in refinances due to increased uh, prices. So what they are saying is, hey, as of December 1st, we're not in that market anymore. you got to go to your bank to refinance. So if you have investors that are closing soon, that, have, that are sitting on a ton of equity, let, tell them to consider refinancing before November 30th because they'll have more choice and they'll have a better rate. After November 30th, if you can only go to five places to do it versus 15, obviously the less choice there is, the higher the rates will be, and maybe the more difficult it will be to refinance anyways. So the refinance game isn't done by December 1st. It's just the choices are very limited after that. So that's what they should also consider doing. Talk to a broker, talk to their bank, and pull out equity as much as they can before that rule changes. Well, that's fantastic. I was just going to ask you that, and, and you beat me to it. So uh, thank you very much. You're making my job easy. Um, yeah, this has been great, Jake. I uh, appreciate you doing this on, on short notice as well. Is there anything else you'd like to add or any other questions I didn't ask you about that I should have? Uh, well, I would like to add that there's a lot of borrowers out there that may have bought pre-construction a few years ago whose jobs may have changed, who may have gone self-employed. You know, there are a lot of alternative prime lenders. I don't call them subprime because their rates uh, and their models are not subprime models like in the U.S. in 2008. There are a lot of alternative lenders like the credit unions, like the Home Trust, Equitable Bank, MCAP Eclipse lenders of the world who will still do or finance self-employed individuals at 20 to 25% down. So if you're facing a crunch, if your bank is saying, look, we're sorry, you do not income qualify, you know, you as an investing specialist, you will tell your buyers, look, if the cash flow works, the cash flow works. Don't be scared of these alternative prime lenders. Let's consider working with them 
rates will be higher, but so will the interest. And if the interest is higher, that's how much more you can deduct off of your rental income. So as long as the cash flow works, there will always be an option for you, the borrower, regardless of what position you're in. But just be open-minded to this because our market is changing so fast. It may be somewhere where you end up. That's a great tip. Yeah, why, why is it that um, so many people still, when they think about mortgage financing, they are just thinking about five options when, like you said, there, there are a lot of other options for people in Canada? I think we have, as Canadians, we have been used to the idea, two things. One, the big banks hold so much marketing power. Let's face it, every mall plaza, whether it's an A, B, or C tier plaza you're at, will have a big bank presence there. Their marketing power is just enormous. Secondly, we as Canadians have been really used to lower, lower, lower rates, and the trend has been your friend. It's been going downwards. You know, five years ago, 3.79, 3.49. Today, 2.39, as, as low as 2.14 a couple months ago. So we are used to that idea. So when we hear, well, we may have to pay a percent more, we think, oh, that's way too high. But in reality, a percent more today on an alternative prime lender is the same rate we could have paid five years ago. So we're just really used to the idea of big banks and we're comfortable with them. But 30% or 35% of the first-time buyer market uses a broker. And usually the brokers have access to the various different lenders. Now, some banks have relationships with these home trusts, but they are simply paper pushers. They're saying, hey, we can't do it. Let's see if these guys can. Whereas a broker will be able to look at the whole deal and place it immediately and tell the borrower, here's where we're working with this. I'll give you one real example. One of my best clients, uh, he owns four condos and his house. He just bought a fifth. It's closing uh, on Bathurst Street there, um, Bathurst and King area. He's closing. He owns a business. He shows 500,000 gross income and very little net income. He's, he's gotten used to the idea of going to home trust, and they've all financed all of his deals because they're charging him a higher rate, but his condo uh, rental income comes in line, and he pays it, and, and it covers all of his expenses. So in reality... You know, he's gotten used to it, and I just hope that more borrowers are understanding there is choice out there, just you have to be open to using that. That's great, and it's certainly no time to panic as investors if, if you go to your local big bank or the, the bank that you do your, you know, your checking account with and, and they turn you down. It's, not, uh, it's more of a sign of the times, but it's not a time to panic, like you said. If you speak to a good broker like yourself or others, they, there are solutions out there. Yeah, well, listen, a 30 basis point increase equals $80 on 500,000 borrowers. So this is absolutely not a rate rising epidemic we are seeing. It's no time to panic at all. 80 bucks is not going to kill your 500K budget or it's not going to kill your purchasing power. It won't kill your rental. And as rental incomes keep increasing, which they will because of the market tightening on the buy side, again, investors have it really, really well right now, especially those who have bought two, three, four years ago, pre-construction and now closing. Um, I, I did want to touch on assignments, if I may, because that's a very hot topic lately amongst my buyers. Sure. So assignments are, as we know, you bought a place for 400 in 2012, and now it's worth, quote-unquote, 500. So you sell the right to uh, sell off that paper to another investor prior to closing. I did want to say that there are very few options where a financing company will finance the entire new purchase value. So for the most part, if you are selling off an assignment, that buyer of the assignment has really one of two options. They can go to a monoline lender, uh, RMG Mortgages, which may even cut this program soon, or TD Bank, who does it on exception. Uh, so 
Keep in mind, if you're selling or buying assignments, it is a much more difficult process, but it could bring you some good value. Uh, so it's not the end of the world. There's only one option, two options, but it's still something that can be financed at current market price. And until that changes, you'll be the first to know and you'll pass that on to your, to your listeners and your clients, but it is still possible to do. If you have the cash to pay for the difference out of your own pocket, every lender will finance the assignment at its original purchase price. Just only a couple will finance it at the new purchase price. Great tip. Great tip. Jake, thank you so much for your time today. If people want to find you or get a hold of you, what's the best way for them to do that? Best way is on Twitter at Mortgage Jake. They can always call me at 416-910-4448. And of course, send me an email, mortgagejake at gmail.com. I'm quite active on Facebook and on Twitter. So I'm, I'm always there and, you know, people can reach out ask any questions they ever have. I love chatting about our business and, and I really do appreciate the opportunity to speak to you and your listeners. Thank you very much. Awesome. Thanks, Jake. And hopefully we'll have you again on the show soon. Anytime. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the True Condos Podcast. Remember, your positive reviews make a big difference to the show. To learn more about condo investing, become a True Condos subscriber by visiting truecondos.com.